fellow watch lovers, nerds, enthusiasts, or however you identify. You're listening to 40 and 20, the Watch Cooker Podcast with your hosts, Andrew, and my good friend Everett. Here, we talk about watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Everett, how are you? Just fantastic. Really good. Just making all the good things happen. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's all just nonsense. I'm fine, Andrew. Just normal. Normal. I had to drive all day at a hearing. It's like three hours away. It's a very short hearing, but still being in the car for three hours as the bread on my hearing sandwich. I just don't like driving. Some people drive all day and they're like, oh, it's so nice. It's just in the car. listening to music. Like I get that, but also I get back and I'm freaking wiped out. Yeah, but you get to bill all that time, don't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes, I do. That's a- Crank an audiobook on. I'd yeah. start practicing like in Idaho so you can drive to Idaho all the time and just bill it. Yeah. I mean, it, that's it's all gravy too, right? I, you know, those are several thousand dollar days. Fantastic. Um, Andrew, how are you? I am good. I had a, I don't know, normal weekend, like nothing exceptional or big, just normal, but good. Perfectly adequate. Anything to report? No. No. Uh, I think we've done it. <laughs> well, good, because we're talking about watches today. And as we do, we are talking about new or interesting watch things that we've read about or heard about or how rumped about in the watch world. We're neckbearding today. Yeah, you might. I'm not. We're gonna we're gonna opine, make some hot takes. Taking taking it hot. Uh, so I decided I would like to lead because you always I, go first, and I want to lead in what I think is the most interesting watch thing that I saw in the last couple of weeks, which is that Lorena Lorenzo Ortega of Laurier Watches released a couple of not. Not brand new watches, old watches, but they have iterated on them. Mm-hmm. So both with the Hyperion and the Hydra, the Hyperion being sort of their icon GMT watch, now coming with a Miyota 9075. And fair to say the Hyperion is more of the same. This is a watch that really doesn't need to be futzed with all of that much. And they haven't. And they just haven't. This is a very thin 10.7 thick, <sighs> 39 millimeter. They call it archetypal GMT watch. Now with the Miyota 6075. Mm-hmm. $699. Bucks. Oh, $599, I believe. Yeah, $599. Not more to, not a lot more to say about that. It's a Laurier case. It's a Laurier dial. It's a Hyperion. It's phenomenal. However, in releasing the Hyperion, Laurier also introduced its new Hydra. And wowie zowie, this thing is phenomenal. So Hydra, you may remember, started off as a evil organization trying to destroy the world. <laughs> three-hand, single-crown, dive-ish watch. And then the Hydra 2, Andrew and I remember, I remember Andrew and I discussing that when it came out. That was when they introduced their compressor-style twin-crown, dual-crown. And it was like, okay, okay, Laurier, I see what you're doing, and I like it. I really like that case. Well, not... Not one to rest on their laurels. The Hydra's back, and it's totally different. This is now a Miyota 6075. It's it's back to what it was when it was released. Flyer GMT, single crown, very much a Laurier from the second you look at it. But we're getting a very different watch from anything Laurier's ever released. We've now got a fixed 24-hour track 
We've got a numeraled bezel, clearly a dive watch, but a dive GMT, kind of a gotta traveler, no shit sports watch. Mm -hmm. What do you think about this thing, man? I, I'm intrigued by it because it's kind of different than anything they've done before in that it's almost like a, it's a modern iteration of a very vintagey watch. Cause when you look through the rest of their portfolio, you know, they've, they've expanded over the last couple of years, but everything's kind of in that same very classic vein. And this looks the part, but it is different. Yeah. What do you mean? It's a, it's a modern watch. It is, I mean, I, and at least in the way that I, when I think about Laurier, I think about very classic styling, very classic um, movements and complications, simplicity, but incorporating this kind of diver GMT into the lineup that looks the part is cool and I like it. And it's really subtle. It's kind of just, it's like, hey, we're, we're, we're here. Don't, don't worry. We haven't left. I like it. I love this, this bezel, this 24-hour ring on the inside. This is, this is good. Doesn't Frank have one of these? Yeah, so Frank picked up <clears throat> one of these, and I believe his words were maybe my favorite micro brand watch ever. Yes. Uh, which th that's saying something. Frank's had a lot of watches. Um, it, it, it's really to me. I actually don't get the the holy modern thing. Being a dive GMT is certainly not a new concept, but I do I do I think I'm picking up kind of what you're saying. Right? This is this is sort of an evolution for mm -hmm. Laurier. This is a little bit different. We've still got the acrylic crystal. We've still got the really, like at this point for me, iconic Laurier lines in the lugs and the bracelet. I think it's terrific. Um, yeah, I think it's terrific. I think it's an interesting iteration from where Hydra began and almost wonder if, if this maybe warrants its own moniker. Yeah, well, Laurier Hydra One was not a GMT, was it? No. Yeah, you know, I, I think that they're just. I think that this is their. We're gonna keep it, keep it moving. Watch, you know, maybe this is the final version. I'm not sure, but we've got three versions of the Hydra now, and we have three very different watches. Yeah. Twelve point two thick on this, which I think is pretty impressive. That is does not include the the domed crystal height, but that domed crystal height doesn't really count anyway. This is a really a really neat watch. It does have a bit of a chunk. The case has got some chunkiness to it, but it's forty one millimeters, which I think is the biggest watch Laurier's ever made. Because mm -hmm. Hydra One was kind of. Uh pretty overlappy with the neptune i and you and i talked about that when they introduced the dual stick yeah and then they then they put the twin stick in for two and now three they're like ah, oh, we're gonna remove that crown again and we're gonna make it a gmt it's an interesting evolution for the hydra yeah i i think it'll be interesting to see It'll be interesting to see if they reintroduce the dual crown at some point. Because, yeah, the, the, the Hydra, the original Hydra and the Neptune were virtually the same watch mm -hmm. with the Hydra having those long stick markers and the non-numeraled mm -hmm. bezel. But it was almost their, like their dressy diver. Yeah. But now it is holy standalone. And, and honestly, I think we're to the point now where the Hydra and the Hyperion are kind of playing in the same space. 
where Hydra was previously with Neptune. Well, both very cool watches. Both Hyperion, super cool. Both both available now via the Laurier website. I think that they are both available. Uh, the Hydra is on the website. It says subscribe for updates. Yeah, I'm not sure if that means it might. It might not quite be launched. Yeah, might just be announced. No, first round of this production batch is now sold out. Mid to late August is when they'll return. So, yeah, there'll be more. Well, and it's cool too to see. Uh, you know, it's it's only what a year since we've seen truly accessible GMTs, or maybe it's two years because that was when the Hyperion and the um, what was that? What was the Baltics? comparison yeah but even then we're under a thousand yeah we're, i think we're in a different class with the miota we're in a different class of movements with the seiko and miota movements mm-hmm. out there so and these miota movements these 9075s are coming in cheap so it's well, great to see gmt's under a bill well yay laurier good good watches andrew what do you got man Ooh, uh my, first up for me The Seiko SZSB006 Tic Tac. It is the 35th anniversary limited edition JDM Alpinist. I say JDM because it means that you're not going to be able to get them for a while. It's a little bit of a bummer. But it's... The, oh gosh, what, what would you call this generation of Alpinist? Uh, I think that these are Laurel okay. Alpinists. Is this different than the Tic Tac that came out a few years ago? I think it's just wearing the Tic Tac name. I think it's still a Tic Tac mm. by it being this, uh, this iteration of Alpinist. Um, but I saw an on the wrist story of it, read it, looked at this watch, and man, I I love this Alpinist. This is the single crown Alpinist. Um, it's not the newest uh, kind of textured dial. It's very, um, very OG Alpinist, very explorer, very... Yeah, it's a pretty uh, flat Smith's texture, texture uh, with the Mercedes hands. Like this is, this is my jam, and I want one, but it's gonna be a while. Well, so the the link you sent me shows that these are out of production, but you can still get them from Tic Tac out of Japan. Mm-hmm. So. Maybe that's something to look into. I might do that. Yeah, th- these are cool. So I-, I really like the Alpinist line because of how many different versions of watch. Th- this is the one that feels the most, I don't know, explorer to me, right? This is the one that feels the most sort of classic retro iconic watch. This is This is like the original DNA of it. I really like the the dual crown version. I'm not such a big fan of the current iteration of them. Uh, I don't like the texture on the dial. I'm not like there's just a couple things that don't quite resonate with me. Um, but this iteration is, I'm for it. Cool watch, man. All the size you want. Yeah. Yeah, what are the specs on these? Um, so it's 40 millimeter case, obviously. Uh, 48 long, 11 thick, and a 20 millimeter lug width. 100 meters of water resistance. I I don't know why they didn't do a screw down crown, but they did not do a screw down crown. But we're so we're still sitting at 100 even with that. Um, 375 euros. So 400 bucks. I think you should go find yourself one. You might. I need to send mine to Evan. It's a little too big, a little too big for your daily wear, I think, but might be fun to splash it in. 
40 millimeters too big. I mean, you're wearing a 36 right now. Yeah. But most of the watches that I wear on a regular basis are about that size. Anyway, I like it. It's the first time that I'd seen this, the version of the, of the Tic Tac. And I got excited about it. I like it. It looks cool. So I've got a new release from Bulova. It's actually an old release from Bulova that they were re-released just recently. This is a 1970s watch referred to as a Jetstar. And the new release is also called the Jetstar. This is a very 70s watch. Funky. They've got this in a few different colorways. There's a pretty beautiful red ombre dial with black and red markers. Mm. There is kind of a root beery gold case with brown and gold markers and a and a lovely gold dial. It's like AMW gold. Yeah, that's right. <clears throat> and then they've got a silver, which is my favorite of the bunch. Silver with a blue chapter ring and red accents. These are all... These are all precisionists. So 262 hertz. So you get a smooth sweep. Very cool. Very cool accuracy. Very cool sweep. Much smoother sweep than any mechanical watch. Um, and these are like, I think they're just kind of bangers. They're 600 bucks. They're super classic stylings. They've come on a bracelet, uh, which looks okay butterfly clasp or a pretty beautiful the gold comes on a beautiful brown kind of perforated strap with these pretty striking yellow accents um you know this release is kind of funny because it's i didn't read i didn't read a lot about it i didn't hear anything about it nobody's talking about it because boliva and then they finally showed up but then I look at this thing and I'm like, dude, this is a 40 millimeter cushion cased octagonal dial re-release. This thing is rad. The only bummer part is that the silver dial is the limited edition. Yeah. They're making, I mean, which limited, 7, there's 7,300 pieces, yeah. but, um, but that's the best one. <laughs> Yeah, well, but I think you'll be able to find these. I, I don't know. They bulleted it. They were like, you know what we're going to do? <laughs> we're going to make our best watch the only one you're not going to be able to get forever. It, yeah, well, maybe. Maybe. These are all still available right now on the website. 700 for the for the silver dial, which also comes with a beautiful blue strap and a bracelet. Blue... Uh, 600 for the gold, 600 for the red dial, silver with red. Um, Is there a bracelet to match the, the gold? I don't think so. Like I don't think so. It just comes on the brown strap. So if you want gold, you're going to have to go strap. But these are like funky, but not, <clears throat> not insane. And retro, but not insane. And interesting, but not insane. I mean, these, I think that, these are going to kind of flow under the radar, uh-huh. but I don't see any reason why this shouldn't be on people's interest list. These are really, really interesting watches. It's because Bulova flies off the interest list because almost certainly very much like citizen when they release something, there's something tragically wrong with it <laughs> that didn't have to be. And I don't see, there's nothing I can bitch about no with this release i don't think so so this is a 40 millimeter uh a 40 millimeter oh there it is 19 millimeters thick yeah 19 no no, 19 thick yeah what are you talking about okay so 40 millimeters wide 20 millimeters lugs 50 meter water resistance which okay whatever uh they look different than the originals if you see the original it's a really weird cushion case these are way less weird than the original version. Uh, and so maybe, maybe that's what I, I don't know. I think these are really cool. 
These are really cool. This is one of my favorite Bilobo releases yet. And it's just like, this is just a really rad watch. You should buy this. I think Bolivar tends to lean into the retro in a way that's not for everybody with their colored markers and, and you know, high contrast colored dials. But yeah, I think this is a pretty good one. I, I am worried that that bracelet's going to be a total turd. That's my only concern about this watch. Eh, I don't know. Bolivar tends to do pretty good with their bracelets. Yeah. Hard to say. Andrew, what do you got next? Sorry, I'm busy. Oh, I have an interesting thing. So there's a lot of non-English words. Yes, there in, are. In this article. Um, I thought you meant just generally. No, well, in general, yeah, there's a lot, but and typically I don't use those words. Uh, in this article, there's a lot of non-English names, which are even harder than words. So a tornado hit Le Chou de Fond, maybe? I think that's close. Significant damage to the area. Uh, and, and here's why that matters. And that was <clears throat> yesterday, right? Yes. Here's why that matters to us, you know, in, in watches specifically. Um, Salida's got a manufacturing facility there. And it was damaged by the storm. Um, <clears throat> and that, like, there's, there's photos of it. And you're like, oh, it was damaged by the storm. No, it looks like Tennessee um, kind of damage went through there. So why that matters is that's going to cause a production hiccup for a while. And I would like, as I'm thinking about this, I was like, okay, you know, we we've dealt with production and manufacturing and supply chain issues in the very recent history. Um, and we deal with it kind of annually out of China, but that because it's so consistent the, the workarounds have been developed and I'm curious to see how this impacts companies like Monta and Christopher Ward, people who are using either Salida or Salida modified movements. I'm wondering what the downstream impact is going to be of this facility being so severely damaged in the storm, in a storm. Yeah. So what I was what I was reading is that um, logistics and parts weren't affected, but that but they're actually a, their assembly is going to be down for upwards of a month, mm -hmm. and that will impact. Right. So I think Salida makes. Over a million a year. I was going to say uh, seven mm -hmm. digits mm -hmm. of movements every year. And so we're talking about, you know, maybe a hundred thousand movements that are going to be delayed or don't go out and, and whether or not they have the ability to carry that with stock or to, you know, ramp up production after things are back up. I, who we don't know, right? Well, and, and the interesting part there is is because of where it is. So we know Salida has been damaged because Salida has been willing to talk to people. Um, <clears throat> Breitling, Cartier, Tag Heuer all also operate in that area, and it's unknown if they were impacted at all. And it's crazy to me that a tornado can have such an impact on this stupid hobby that we have. I, and that I'm interested by it. <laughs> I, do, are tornadoes common in in Switzerland? It seems like the elevation's wrong or the, the Everything. latitude is wrong for that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it says a possible tornado, so I think that's maybe the, one of the more shocking things is that we're seeing tornadoes at that high of a latitude, longitude, a yeah, longitude. 
longitude goes up and down. Yeah. Yeah. Latitude goes. Longitude is side to side. Latitude is up and down like a ladder. La- that's how I remember it. Latitude. Uh, I like have to a ladder. say it because your mouth makes the shape. Yeah. Hmm. So do you ever read no. Worn and Wound's microbrand? I read Mike's articles. Review. Though. So Worn and Wound does a, I can't remember what they call it, but. It's like Micro Mondays, isn't it? No, no, that's for Tello that does it, Micro Mondays. It's like a monthly release that they have. Whenever I see it, I check it out. And usually, I you know, more and more frequently, there's things that I'm like, okay. Uh, but their latest issue or, or uh, their latest post, they had a, a handful of different micro brands that they featured, but two of them in particular caught my eye. And I'm just going to kind of blast through both of them here. The first is a company. I don't believe it's properly a Ukrainian company. I think they're somewhere out of central or, you know, Western Europe, maybe Denmark, but they are a Ukrainian. They're a group of Ukrainian designers and engineers called Real Time. And these folks... Uh, or, or the watch is called Real Time, and it's created by Zavod, which is, I believe, the company name. And this is a very interesting watch. It immediately caught my eye. And then as I looked at it more, I was like, well, shit, this is actually really interesting. So what this is, it I, I think it's best described as kind of a flat puck in terms of the, the overall shape of the watch. I think that's a good description. <laughs> With a spinning disc in the middle, probably like the the central 33% of the circle is a spinning minute disc. And then there's an hour window below that at the six o'clock. You really got to pull up the link. I'm not going to be able to describe what this looks like, but it doesn't look like anything else. It's not digital, but it kind of looks digital, but rather it's a spinning disc type of situation that's kind of the origin of digital watches is that window keeping date i mean it's it's a window timer yeah it well they call it a disc time system which makes me think that this is this is something that i i just don't know enough about to speak intelligently on it um but it's a minimalist style they've got this in a few different iterations they've got a blasted gold tone they've got brushed gold tone they've got a matte and a brushed silver and a matte and a brushed pvd um i don't know it's just terrific the thing that the thing that was like oh man i'm talking about this on the show is so i believe these are now on indiegogo they started on kickstarter i think they crushed their kickstarter yeah they got um they had a five thousand dollar goal, and they got almost seventy four thousand. And and so now they're and now they're available via Indiegogo, but you can still purchase these. So there are there is one special edition which is called the Wartime. As a Ukrainian company, you or as a Ukrainian based company, or or the people are from Ukraine. Uh, Ukraine is currently on a time scale, I think, that they call wartime. So it's not like a, a gun toting. It's more like this is the time we're in, is, is what I understand. But 180, they're between 157 and 225 bucks for a single watch. Hmm. This, this brushed with the black discs is doing it for me is that the is that the brushed steel with a black disc yeah yeah these are all terrific i actually really like the i like the blasted gold with the white discs this guy yeah you're getting in you're into a gold phase it kind of looks like an instrument it looks a little kind of like compassy it looks just because of the font that they use and that the way that they've designed the the date wheel but it could also be you know like a heart rate monitor it it does not look like a watch it looks like an like an instrument of sorts well and so on the kickstarter there's a video 
um, that kind of describes what they're what they're doing with this. There's a an emphasis on the stars in the sky. So on the on the standard versions, there's coordinates on the back of this thing, and the coordinates are the locations of places in the world where you can where there's no where there's limited light pollution, so you can actually see the stars. Is that like a custom thing, or is there just like? No, it's just the case back. So if you take a look at the case back, it's got these coordinates on it. Uzak Pass. Uzak Pass? That's right. And so each of the case backs is one of these locations in the world where you can see the stars at night. And there's also a time of an annual meteor shower that you can view there. Uh, So they've got this astronomy emphasis to these things, uh, but which harkens back to disk time, which used the stars to tell time with. So all that to say, I don't know enough about astronomy or anything like that to talk intelligently on it. Or astrology for that matter. But the whole thing is just freaking cool. This is a really cool watch. It's super affordable. And you can get one of these for 185 bucks right now. Um, it's got a fantastic movement in it. The, these, I believe, are the Ronda. I'm going to talk about another watch in just a second. So I got to double check. Oh, no. These are the Miota. These are the Miota, I think, 2064 quartz movements. It's phenomenal. Okay. One other watch that I want to talk about. <clears throat> the, the real reason these caught my eye is because it's a Portland company. So... Also featured in Warner Wound's microbrand digest or whatever they call it. Uh, this is a Portland company. They're fully 3D printed watches made with no petroleum project pro- products, completely sustainable packaging. Uh, some of the stuff people aren't going to care about. And, and frankly, I don't care all that much about it. But here's what they say. Felix Toucan, that's the name of the company. Felix Toucan strives to be a company with low environmental impact. Our watches are created from plant-based resins. No petroleum plastics are used in any products or packaging. All packaging is plant-based and 100% recyclable. All materials for watches and packaging are procured with ethics and humanity. Okay, blah, blah, blah. You know, if you were really mindful about that, you wouldn't start a new company manufacturing something. Oh, well, I don't know, but (laughs) I don't know about that. But this is a Portland-based company. You can... You can buy their watches online. They don't have a brick and mortar, uh, although they say they're they're looking to do that. You can just go to the damn go to the damn website, buy one of these watches. Some of these are really fun. Some of them, I'm like, eh, okay, uh, but they range from about 125 to 150 dollars. Now, what I'll say: these are 3D printed watches, and they're all printed on a like Prusa. 3d printer which is a very nice 3d printer but kind of like a consumer grade or or maybe enthusiast grade 3d printer uh and they look 3d printed right yeah these look 3d printed but they're designed and they're interesting and they've got a cool movement and they're in oregon and some of them are, are neat like the time for ramen one it's it's certainly intriguing. What's the movement they're using on these? It is a Ronda quartz movement. Okay. It actually says if you go to the website, there's a good hamburger at the website. Uh, it is a Ronda seven sixty three quartz made in Switzerland. Awesome. Which is a serviceable. I believe that's a serviceable quartz movement. All metal. It's a good. It's a good movement. These are fun. They're fun. They're kind of stupid, but fun. I mean, they're definitely stupid, but they're fun, right? They're novelty watches. They're they're like, I mean, the the splat is a two hand watch with a. I can't really even make out what the dial is. But it seems to be this kind of flowing mixture of paint splats. Yeah. The case is dripping over the crystal of the dial 
because it's a splat. There's a toucan on the dial and then PDX at the seven o'clock. Small, but still there. So and dimen- this isn't all what? Dimensions on these are a little funny, right? So, <clears throat> so like the splat, for instance, is a 50 millimeter lug to lug, 40 millimeter case, 25 millimeter lug, lug width, and a 14 millimeter thick case. These are not refined watches. These are, are supposed to be fun, interesting pieces. This is not going to, <laughs> this is not going to make any like most refined watch lists. No, but they've got 65 feet of water resistance in them. And they're all just kind of silly, fun, novelty watches. Yeah. 65 feet is not very much. No. Yeah. <laughs> but for something coming out of somebody's 3D printer. Yeah. That's not not the worst. Yeah. No, they're, they're, they're terrific. I think they're really interesting. I think I'll probably buy something. Maybe the Roboto. These, these are... <clears throat> I, I find these very cool. I love the fact that they're Oregon-based. I like the fact that they're like, yeah, just check out this cool watch. We're, I don't even think it's a cool watch. It's just like, just check out this fun thing that we're doing. I like 90s night. This dual colored bracelet is cool. 130 bucks. Yeah, the, the 90s night, that looks very swatch. Pink, very swatch. Pink stepped case. Kind of a, a two pattern uh, dial. A, a yellow, half yellow, half blue. Um, bracelet which i'm realizing now is probably a, a ukraine support ukraine thing and the the lux looks like a brightling <laughs> yeah it does yeah these are fun. or maybe even like a uh a yacht yacht master that big bezel yeah <laughs> these are fun anyway that's all i have about that but two new uh Two new micro brands that caught my eye that I thought I'd that I thought I'd chap. Yeah, the um, the real time makes sense as a as a for me and a watch that you would be intrigued by. I feel like if I were to have mentioned Felix Toucan, you would have made fun of me. Maybe, but you're into it, so you're not making fun of me. Uh, Blackout reminds me of. Um, Oh shoot! What's the most recent uh, alien movie? Like the of the of the alien generation, not aliens specifically. Um, the one with the with the albino guys. On yeah, the, what yeah. was that? I can't remember. What I really like that movie. Um, it reminds me of that. <laughs> what do you got next, Andrew? Next up for me, um, you know, it is, uh, what are they calling it? Barbenheimer weekend. Right. The biggest box office weekend since before COVID and like one of the fourth Mm. biggest of all time. Movies are back, baby. These movies are back. Um, so anyway, Barbie premiered this weekend. So not Oppenheimer, it's Barbenheimer weekend. Um, it's all anyone's talking about. Hodinkee did an interesting write-up on the watches of Barbie. And they're not what you'd expect. And that got me excited. So the uh, article itself is uh, by Danny Milton, titled... Ryan Gosling wears three different vintage Hoyer Carreras at the same time as Ken in Barbie. And that gets my attention because when when we see something other than vintage Rolex in a movie, I'm like, oh, I'm excited. When something a little off the beaten path gets gets put in there and, and if you're wearing three of them, that's a very intentional statement. It's getting some attention. It's on purpose. I'm I'm interested. So he was wearing three Hoyer chronographs, first being the Hoyer 1158 CHN, the (coughs) 
Hoyer 110515 and the Hoyer 2448NT. And these are all dope. Mm. I've I'm not a, a vintage watch scholar or pursuer by any means. And these could maybe change that. You looking at these? Yes. Uh, Man, I am totally smitten. And I'm also so excited to see something different in something of this scale. Because it would have been all too easy to go into any of the vintage Rolex or Omega lockers that I'm sure every prop department has and just be like, Hey, wear these or just wear some bullshit, you know, but they wore, they, they put on these three really cool watches and I dig that. I want to know the prop master for this movie. You know, I think so. Gosling is actually a watch dude and he's known for wearing like pretty, these are probably his pretty small yeah. watches. In fact, I we were well, I think we were researching an episode years ago at this point about I think we called the episode size matters. Mm-hmm. And I kept coming across these photos of Ryan Gosling wearing these tiny little vintage watches. I do believe that he became a tag Hoyer ambassador. Oh, at maybe some it was point contractual recently. And so being a watch guy, I'm sure that he's I'm sure that he's into it and pulling out the vintage stuff because he's a vintage watch dude. So these in that context, I think these choices make a lot of sense. And they are fucking rad watches. When you have those abs and that money, you should be. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I think he's a Hoyer. I think he's a tag Hoyer ambassador. At Is this he? Point. I'm gonna yeah. look that up. I, I that seems correct. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know that for sure, but I, I do believe that's the case. Yeah, these are cool. Those, those are those are fun. So I've got... Yeah, he's an ambassador. Oh, yeah, because in... Um, what's that movie, The Driver? Or was it, was it called The Driver? Mm. Or Driver? Ba- Baby Driver? Mm. That's a different movie. That's different. It's the <laughs> one where he doesn't talk and he wears like the scorpion leather jacket. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's, what, he's wearing a Hoyer. Was it called Driver? No, it was just called Drive. Drive. We were really close. Baby Driver is a different movie. A wholly different movie. Yeah. Uh, But they came out like at the same time, I feel like. In the vicinity, I recall. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Then The Gray Man. I never, I didn't make it through that movie. That movie Uh, was kind of butt. I really liked Gray Man. Um, Well, so I've got a couple of updates from companies that we know and love and talk about a lot. Oh, okay. I'm ready for it. I'm going to blast through one of these. So Formex has done the Skittle treatment to its essence. In it is both, not an, a euphemism for ecstasy. In both the Steel and Legera cases, I think the Legera is 43 and the Steel is 39, but they released these in orange, yellow, green, teal, <laughs> maybe light blue, oh. and purple. The photograph they use with these color stream behind it, uh, the color m- match made me think that they were on like a ribbon strap. <laughs> and I was like, well, that's stupid. <laughs> no, I, I think they're, they're all on leather, but you can also get them on bracelets. They're all in color match leather, but you can also get them on bracelets. Uh, and Does these the yellow have color match leather. These are the black strap. In the oh photo. gosh. I don't know. These are essences, right? It mm-hmm. is, is what they are. And there's, not a lot we need to say about the essence because we've talked about them so much, but I think these are fun. And if you're into the essence, but you've not found a color that you like yet, they have them all at this point. So right. if you, if you haven't found a color that you like, you actually don't like the essence. That's right. And in final brands that we love update news, Monta announced this week that they are discontinuing the triumph. I think the Triumph is Monta's longest running watch. They're going to recontinue at this it. point. And in announcing that they're discontinuing the Triumph, they have released this thing on a military olive drab 
green dial, which is very nice. Very nice. Um, I actually really like the color of this dial. This is a Triumph, you guys. It's a mm -hmm. 38 and a half millimeter, under 10 thick watch. My Monta Triumph is probably my most my most loved watch at this point in terms of how often I wear it and how much I enjoy wearing it. It's right, I mean, between this and the essence. It's it Monta's watches are just unbelievably comfortable. That's right. Yeah, that's right. So there's only 95 pieces of these made, and I don't know. I assume they're sold out at this point. Yeah. They, they certainly will be by the time you're listening. They don't appear. They don't appear to be on the website. Ah, uh, nope. It's still pre-order. <coughs> you can pre-order right now. So 1700 bucks, which is the going rate for a Triumph these days. Green dial. Unless you want to wait and pick one up secondhand, which may be risky, you can get in there now. I wonder what they're going to do with the Triumph because you know they're going to they're going to treat this just the same way they did the Ocean King when they discontinued it, and they made the the Ocean King one to two change was pretty dramatic, and then the two to three, right? We're on three at this point. Are we on four? Mm, I think three. Three, yeah. And then the, the two to three was less dramatic, but was certainly meaningful. And I'm wondering what the Triumph 2 is going to be like. Like rather than just saying, hey, we got a new one in, in the books, they kind of create this frenzied, oh my God, get it before it's gone thing. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, by the way, don't worry. Don't worry. We was pranked you. It's back. Yeah, well, and, and obviously they've already announced that they're working on a replacement for this. Um, yeah, I... But I the discontinuing, I don't know, we've talked about this before. When they discontinue things, it's weird language to use. And now we're accustomed to it with them. Or we, when they discontinue something, we know it's, oh, you're just, you're just upgrading it. Yeah, I think there's probably a bit of marketing there, right? I think that they're... You, you know, this is the same way that the big boy Swiss companies do it. I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of Paddock or Adamar. Mm -hmm. uh, they discontinue a reference, uh, then to follow it up later mm -hmm. with. So, so I think maybe there's some fake it till you make it going on there. Uh, but, but clearly, it's an announcement. Hey, these are the last chance. This is the last chance to get these. Mm -hmm. Once these are, once these are gone, they're gone. Which is cool, you know. Hey, thanks for that. Clearly, they're intending to replace this with something else. Well, um, the Triumph fills such an important role in their in their portfolio. You, you know, I, I personally hope they don't change the watch too much. You know, maybe a little bit thinner. I'd be fine with uh, an updated dial. I, I'm, you know, but I, I I hope it's still the Triumph because for me, that's the best watch in the collection by a wide margin. It's my favorite. Um, it's such an easygoing watch. It's sort of that military field watch. It just does all the things exactly right in my mind. It, so I, it does do all the things. I think they're, they might try to create a little more separation between the Triumph and the Noble. There's already quite a bit, right? The Noble is smaller. The Noble has a, has a little bit dressier dial. Um, they might try to create some more separation there. They might butch it up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, maybe so. Because it's a pretty elegant watch. So hopefully, I hope they don't butch it up too much. So, Andrew, that's all my things. What else do you got? I have a baseball. You've got a baseball? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, I don't, it's all my, that's all my watch related things that I wanted to talk about today. Good. Other things, what you got? I came unprepared. I'm going to talk about a cookbook. <clears throat> So we, um, my wife and kids and I, my wife, uh, yeah, okay, went to Disneyland last year, and one of the things that I was, like, really shocked by was you're in, like, a fair, basically, and all the food is really good, everywhere. Like, if you go to one of the little booths, the food is good. Everything is just good. 
<clears throat> shortly after getting back, I was like just kind of perusing the internet and I'm looking at cookbooks and I'm looking at, cause I, I like, I like cookbooks. I like to read cookbooks and, uh, I found one called the unofficial Disney parks cookbook. And I was like, okay, I'm intrigued. And I got the cookbook and it came with, you know, all of the inspiration, right? So it has, and it's, and what's interesting and why I like it is that it has kind of the, the big hitters of every Disney property. So there's Disneyland, there's Disney world, then there's Epcot and there's big hitters from Epcot, which is interesting because Epcot has this huge diversity of food, you know, being that it's got this like global, uh, food thing. Um, yeah, why well, go to Europe? Just go to Epcot. Exactly. You know, you have need, you don't even need a passport. You do have to go to Florida though, which is you know, it has its own risks and rewards. But this cookbook is like twelve bucks, and it is great. It's got tons of good recipes, tons of good of like inspiration, and for people who have nostalgia associated to Disney properties, this is money. Is this book licensed by Disney? No, <laughs> it is not. Fantastic. It's a L.A. local who has like, I don't, I, I read her biography before I bought it. And she like just goes to Disneyland every day because that's what she does with her time. She's like a member. It, yeah. And when you live in Anaheim or L.A., it's like fucking whatever. Just get the season pass and go whenever you want. Yeah. Uh, and then obviously he's made trips to Disney World and to Epcot to to have these food experiences and decided to make a copycat recipe book. Uh, but what's, I mean, because you can copycat anything, right? Like you have something at Disneyland, you're like, oh, I really want to make this. But what is kind of fun about it is that you're like, she's like, this is how you make this thing. And you remember having eaten that thing. You're like, okay, yeah. I don't, I don't need to look up what that thing was. Cause I remember it. Cause I remember it. Tell me how to make it. What have been your favorite entries? Uh, the beignets and the macarons. Macaron. Yeah. I really like the turkey drumsticks from Disneyland, but I probably don't need a cookbook. No, you just need an oven. Uh, yeah. But I, I'm like, beignets are super easy, yeah. but it prompted me to get like Mickey Mouse uh, shaped cookie cutters and stuff to be able to recreate that. Uh, beignets are kind of a pain in the ass to make, but God damn, are they good? Yeah. And macarons also a pain in the ass, but really good. Yeah. I brought you over beignets when I made them, didn't I? I think you did. Yeah. Cause the recipe is like makes 80. I'm like, well, <laughs> let's ride. <laughs> we're going to have some beignets. We're going to, we're going to eat 80. And I, I probably ate 80. So what's the name of the author uh, and the name of the book? The name of the book is The Unofficial Disney Parks Cookbook by Ashley Craft. Uh, soon, the I think next week, I'm going to do the Dole Whip. Oh, yeah. You're going to have to give me some of that. Because, you know, Dole Whip being this really famous. That's my jam. Dole Whip. I will wait. I will wait longer for Dole Whip than a Wolfer Space Mountain, guaranteed. I didn't. I, I don't get it. <laughs> I just I just don't get it. But uh yeah, other people do and there's plenty of things that you know, I like watches and most people don't get that. Yeah, fair enough. I showed Sam a picture of a Doxa the other day and I was like, I just want you to know this is on the horizon. She's like, That looks like all of her watches. It, it looks said, the same. I said, Shut your mouth. This one's orange. You're so stupid, and Sam. She, and she's like, Okay, neat, it's orange. I was like, But it's different. Look, look, this is why it's different. I don't see it. It has a helium release valve. <laughs> Neat. <laughs> yeah, you didn't win. No. No, I'm still going to get it, but I didn't I didn't lose either. Fair enough. Well, Andrew, I did come prepared with another thing. You really came prepared and you used my glasses. I I came prepared with another thing. I did not bring glasses for the other thing, but that's okay because you have them. So, Andrew, do you have a favorite Johnny Walker label? 
Uh, black. Okay. So I have historically been a Johnny Walker black guy. Red is just too Band-Aid-y, right? Yes. That's, that's a, that is really, like, I might put it in a highball. Maybe, no. a, like, a heavily flavored highball. But I'm not, there's no way I'm sipping red. Black, however, it's like 40 bucks. You can drink it it's straight from the bottle. Sip-able-ish. You put a little bit of ice in it. It's it runs just fine. Definitely good in a highball, but I mean it's not great. It is not great scotch. I I'll take Monkey Shoulder. I'll take Famous Grouse. There's lots of. Oh, yeah, I go Monkey Shoulder over honestly any of the Johnny line any day. There is lots of scotches that I'll drink over Johnny Black, but I I like it. It's fun. I've had Blue Label. Blue Label is excellent, but interesting. It's, just outside of my price range. I mean, I'm just not going to spend that much money over 200 bucks. So I got a bottle of blue when I got home from Afghanistan. Like that was my, I made it. Yeah. Gift to myself. Uh, I thought it was a little too hot. It's hot. Yeah. And I honestly preferred black. Interesting. Well, I do really like the blue, but for the amount of money blue costs, I'm like, I'm just not feeling it. I have had, I had gold at one point and I was like, okay, this is fine. Uh, I had the double black at one point, which is just different. I haven't had the double black. I have never had green label. It just seems like in this, it's in this awkward spot in the lineup and sometimes it's available and sometimes it's not. It's like a $60 bottle, right? 60, 60. Yeah, I think 70, yeah. 70. So got a bottle of Green Label and poured a, a really conservative little dram and put it to my nose and I was like, oh, put it to my lips. And I was like, oh, finish the glass. And I was like, this is the best Johnny I've ever had. I mm. like it better than I like Blue Label. So Blue I'm on my was too hot. Yes, I don't think it's too hot, but I, I, I it is hotter. For, for 200 bucks, it's too hot. So for 70 bucks, which is more than I'm going to spend on everyday whiskey, mm-hmm. but not so much that I'm going to feel bad about. Like He like shared with me a full finger. My Macallan, you know, 15 or whatever, right? I can't just drink that whenever I want to. No, but, right? but you want to. But I do want to. Uh, this, on the other hand... I don't feel bad about finishing a bottle of this. No. And it is so freaking good. So it's smoky, but not too smoky. It's smoky like Johnny. This is Johnny, but it's just better. Mm -hmm. It's just better. I can't believe how good this is. Yeah. It's got good band-aid-y front. But not not like red label band-aid. And not like Laphroaig band-aid. Yeah. But it's got good sweet finish. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not a I'm not a super taster or even a scotch connoisseur. But it's got like that sort of vanilla raisin. Mm-hmm. It finishes like at the at the bottom part of your throat where you just get that heat after you swallow. But it's not like that's called heartburn. <laughs> well, yeah, but it doesn't <laughs> hurt, right? <laughs> yeah, I this is like I've had Johnny in a really long time. Thanks for bringing this. Instantly, one of my favorite scotches. And it was just the one that I was like, yeah, this is, that's, that's the weird one. Nobody drinks Johnny Green. And maybe I'm, maybe that's true. Maybe people don't drink Johnny Green, but like I've had Johnny both blue and black very recently. And while, like I said, while I like the blue, it's just too much money for me to take it seriously. And while I like the black, it's just not good enough for me to take seriously. I think the problem that Johnny Walker's line has is that at its price points, there's something better. Like, and and not just like, oh, it's a little bit better. There's something definitively better at that price point. I don't know, so, man. It's 60 bucks. <clears throat> if you want a space side, it's 60 bucks. I don't know that I, there's anything better than this. I mean, there you, might be things that you like better, but... But this, the Talisker Storm is a $70 bottle, and that, that's... This is totally different beast. Totally, totally different. But this is a bottle I could have on the shelf. Because this has... This is its own... 
This is wholly different. And it's a sexy bottle. I don't know where it went, but we drank it. It's gone. <laughs> it's a sexy bottle. We opened it. It's got a cork. It looks good. That big Johnny Walker square bottle. Yeah. I was really impressed by this. It blew me away. I'm on my second bottle. Wow. <laughs> How many did you buy? Just two. Like at once? I bought one and then I drank it. Oh, okay. And then I bought another one. Well, I wasn't sure if you were like, I'm going to try this. And you bought two bottles. Yeah. Just this one. I think it's, I think it's 86. Is it? Yeah. So. Gosh. And this is, expensive. it's their 15 years. So minimum of 15 years. It's a blend. It's not so a it's single all Johnny malt. Walker. It's, you know, as is all Johnny. It's, they're all blended, which is kind of the bitch that people have with Johnny is that they're all blends and. Talisker, Linkwood, I'm going to say Craig and Moore wrong, and I'm definitely going to say Galila wrong. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, they're big four. It's fantastic. Johnny Johnny Green, it's my new go-to Johnny. I'll probably never bottle, buy a bottle of black again. I'll definitely never buy a bottle of blue again. This is it. Yeah, I only ever bought the one bottle of blue, and I would never do it again. Monkey Shoulder has been my go-to scotch. Yeah, it's a good one. Because it's 35 bucks. Yeah. I'm still, I think I'm still a Dirty Bird guy, man. The thing about the, I don't remember what, what all is in Monkey Shoulder, but for that bottle, any one of the blends that go into it is more expensive than the, yeah. the bottle itself. It's so smooth. It's so good. Yeah. I, I think Monkey Shoulder is like the most common favorite cheap whiskey. I really like mm-hmm. Famous Grouse because I think it just drinks a little sweeter, a little smoother. But yeah, and I think Famous Grouse is the most, the best selling whiskey on the face of the earth. So it could be. <laughs> I like that. The world can't be wrong. And I like when I buy Famous Grouse, I always buy Wild Turkey at the same time because I just think it's fun to Get buy the them birds. together. Yeah, I miss the days of being able to buy Weller at any liquor store. You can never find Green Weller anymore. Any Weller. That was one of our first, that was one of your first only things was Greenweller. It was among them. Yeah. I did this to us. <laughs> yep. You, you were in the right place at the right time to catch that, catch that wave. Yeah. And it, it, it's just impossible to find any Weller. It's impossible to find any fucking Buffalo Trace. You can't even find Eagle Rare. Eagle Rare is not great. It's like cheap bourbon. But you can't find it. It's the only alcohol I have ever developed a taste aversion for from having been so sick as a result of it. Eagle Rare? Yeah. Just be a grown-up and drink wild turkey. Yeah. And I'm a grown-up now. <laughs> uh, and I would, I would not do that again because I'm a grown-up. I know how to, how to drink. Yeah. Well, it's the most underrated bourbon, I think, on the face of the earth. I've been drinking Buffalo Trace, like just the $25 bottle. That's some good, easy drinking yummies. I also tried Tin Cup recently. I liked Tin Cup. What is that? It's a mountain whiskey. I think it's out of Colorado. I'll buy another bottle. It was good. It was kind of different. Sounds like bullshit to me. Uh I mean, it's cheap whiskey. Yeah. Okay. Right? So enough. yeah, I'm not saying it's not bullshit, but I was, I tried it and I was like, hmm, you're kind of good. <laughs> Andrew, what else do we need to talk about today? I mean, we've talked about it all. We've talked about watches. We've talked about cheap whiskey. talked about good scotch. We haven't talked about hookers yet. So it's coming up. That's on our next episode. Hey guys, thanks for joining us for this episode of 40 and 20, the Watch Clicker podcast. Why don't you check us out at the website, watchclicker.com. That's where we post weekly reviews. Some good shit went up this last week, and I and we didn't talk about it, but we're going to do a little bit of a website update next week. Uh, you can also check us out on socials at Watch Clicker or at 40 and 20 underscore Watch Clicker. Don't forget the underscore Watch Clicker. If you message the only one, you will we will not get it. Somebody else will. If you want to support us and... Oh boy, we hope you do. You can do that at patreon.com slash 40 and 20. Look, guys, that's where we get all the money to do the things that we do here. We don't ever take any of it for whiskey. 
although I'm tempted sometimes. Patreon.com slash 40 and 20. And hey, don't forget to tune back in next Thursday for another hour of watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Bye-bye.